So hi, this is Sharon, the Modern Savvy CPA, and this and the second half of us talking about uh, credit um, and the importance of credit in our everyday life, whether it's involving debt or not. We're talking with Credit Christie. That is her stage name. So we're definitely wanting to um, have this conversation with, with, with Christie. She has loads of knowledge in this industry, and we are going to get her to give us some, share some of that knowledge with us. Hi, Christy. Hi, thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you today. Um, so Christy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself to start off with, and then we'll get into our questions. Absolutely. Uh, my name is uh, Christy Naruzi, also known as Credit Christy. Uh, I've been in the real estate industry in a whole lot of different angles uh, since I was 17 years old, and more recently, a mortgage loan officer of 12 years. But I also know just how powerful credit can be in one's life. Uh, it can really help propel you towards uh, wealth and financial stability, or it can complicate things and keep you from being able to um, utilize credit the way that many people can and are doing to help them move forward in their life. So um, I've really gotten into the credit space in the last uh, about four or five years. I'm a credit geek. I love everything credit, and I'm not a credit repair company. I am a certified credit specialist and a certified credit counselor, and uh, I just love to be able to empower people with the right information about credit because it's a game, and when we know the rules of the game, we can win. That's exactly what we want to teach, and the, the thing is um, what Christy's saying is what I'm trying to bring on to our show here, our experts, is people who are passionate about the subjects that we're talking about. So um, when we had our real estate gal, she's really passionate about real estate, you know, because it's one thing to be in the industry and have that job. And it's the other is to be passionate about it. So Christy is just she like she said, she's a credit geek, but she's passionate about teaching the literacy um, when it comes to credit. And you're also a published author, correct? Yep, published author. My first book was on uh, for first time home buyers. It's on Amazon. My next book is coming out this summer. It's about money beliefs. And I also have a podcast that's all about credit. It's called Credit Coaching by Christy. Awesome. Awesome. So we're gonna we're gonna make sure you guys have all of that in our um, YouTube and all of our social media. Um, so so you can uh, follow Christy and see what how she can help you with your uh your your credit journey and your financial literacy journey because right now it's all about what you know and if what you know can open up your avenues into um building your wealth and um having your financial freedom and you know all the things that you need to make sure that you live a content life so um so the next question i want to ask uh you, Christy, is we're going to talk about a few different things that you're going to help us with today. And we're going to talk about the one thing. The first thing I want to talk to you about is um, what's the impact of increasing your minimum payment on a credit card? But what does it have, uh, you know, on household across the country? What kind of impact? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, There's multiple ways to answer it. But let me just share with you that since last year, the prime index rate has gone up significantly. So last year, the average APR on credit cards was about 14%, and now it's greater than 20%. So if home uh, households just make the minimum uh, payment on their credit card, 
they're going to take years and years and years and pay an additional hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in unnecessary interest. So let me give a quick example. Let's say you have a $5,000 balance on your credit card and you're, you're carrying it forward, say month after month. Maybe you're just uh, nurturing that monthly payment and you're keeping that balance outstanding. If you had a 20% APR, about $84 of your $100 minimum payment would be going towards interest. So $16 is not going to tip away at that remaining balance. It would take you years and years to get rid of that balance, assuming you're not putting anything more on it. So what I'm seeing is the trend right now is a lot of uh, households that are unfortunately carrying large balances forward every single month. They're not in a position to be able to pay that balance down. Now, the, uh, the payments on credit cards, there's a couple different algorithms that the creditors use to figure out what your minimum payment is. A nice rule of thumb for most balances is about 2% of your outstanding balance. So again, back to that $5,000 balance, your minimum payment would be $100. So it's enough to cover the interest and just a little bit towards principal. Now, if your APR is 24.99, that interest payment alone is $104 and some change. So it won't, you know, your, your payment is now greater than $100. So um, as the APRs increase, the minimum payment increases. And if you're not calculating in that growing monthly payment, then that's going to affect where you have money for other things. You're going to have to pull it from someplace else, from your grocery bill, um, you know, from your fund bill, something along those those kinds of, you, you talk about buckets, right? The money that you have. Uh, you've got to pull that money from some other place. So I'm seeing a lot of people that are struggling right now because they can't get out from underneath those monthly payments with growing APRs. So, you know, that's one of the things we spoke about um, on our previous video is the cost of credit. So, mm -hmm. you know, the cost of something that you buy on credit is not what you put on the credit card. It is this APR that you're talking about. And can you tell us for some of us who need to have um, go back to Literacy 101 is what does APR mean and a little bit about what what that is? Um, APR stands for annual percentage rate. So almost all credit cards out there are what's called a variable interest rate. And it's variable because it can change over time. So it is tied to the prime index rate. And there is some, some credit cards uh, will calculate it as a daily APR and some as a monthly. So it just really depends on what kind of credit card you have. But there is an algorithm on how you can figure out how to calculate your own APR. But uh, every credit card comes with an APR. It's essentially the easiest way to explain it, the interest rate and the cost, your finance charge on what it is to borrow that money. Your finance so charge. If you, your finance charge. So for every $100 you borrow and keep on that credit card, you can take your APR and know that that's the charge or the cost. So if you have a 20% APR and you keep that balance going forward uh, every single month, you're adding 20% to what you borrowed. So it costs you so much more, 20% in this example, uh, to, to borrow that money if you don't pay it off every single month. And there is a grace period on most credit cards of 25 days. So if you pay that entire balance during that grace period, then your APR is zero. <laughs> that is true. So that's what we're trying to get everyone to do. Today, we don't use credit card um, as to 
you know, years ago when um, I guess maybe you and I was younger, uh, it would be something that you use on large purchases and different things. Today, it is just a mean of electronic currency that we use for everything. We never have cash. So um, we want to make sure that we understand that when we're using this, it's not an addition to our our buying power. It's a supplement. It's a complement to our, our buying power. So, you know, instead of paying cash, we're paying with the credit card. So we need to pay the credit card bill with right. our cash. That's exactly why it's a higher APR than, say, um, a loan would be. A, an installment loan is typically single digits in most cases, right, as far as an interest rate. The reason it's high is because it's intended for short-term use and convenience. It's not intended to be an extension of your income. It could be used for an emergency or for those things that you don't want to pay cash for. So it's really important to follow that budget that you're teaching about to know where your money, your outflow is going, so that way you can pay that off. Uh, otherwise, a, a big chunk of your take-home pay is going towards servicing debt, which is going to keep you from being able to accomplish your other goals because you don't have anything left over to put in the, in the savings bucket that you're talking about to accomplish your goals. So that's, that's, the, that's the thing we've been talking about. So let's say you go out to dinner and you spent $100 today and you, you, you know, before you go, one of the things that I'm trying to teach people is, is stop with the impulse. You know, understand what you're doing and um, before you, you do something, think about it um, for a little while and, and get, get, fall in love with it and then make that decision. So if you go out to dinner and you spend $100 on dinner and you're not able gonna, I pay that off, like I, I pay my credit card every week, you know, because it's, an ex, it's, it's, it's instead of paying for cash. And one of the reasons I charge everything on my credit card is because I can track it. So, yeah. you know, and I don't have time to sit there with my receipts counting my cash because that that'll never happen. Um, so I'm realistic that it's something that I can I, I have credit cards that I can track in my my Quicken 20 years ago. So it's important that you you are able to track this and you're able to 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 you to track it when you have time. So, like I said, I pay my credit card every week because it's my cash. So if you have $200 of cash that you're going to be spending for the week, then at the end of the week, you pay that in your credit card. That, that, that's because you're using yeah. it for your household. So that's how it is in today's society. You're using your credit card to pay for your household. So the same cash you pay your credit card bill off with. Yeah. So um, my son, who's who, when he turned 18 and he asked me, mom, when he got his first credit card, when should you pay? When should I pay my credit card bill? I said, pay it when you get paid. So that's a rule of thumb. Pay it when you get paid, you know, make sure you're tracking it. Nobody has excuses these days because we have apps. Everybody's on their app. They know, right. you know, when I charge something on Amex, it pops up. <laughs> so, right. so there's no excuse to say, oh, I didn't know, you know. I didn't know just it's a Crimea River story. So, okay, let's go on to um, talking about some myths. You know, so I know that there's a lot of people trying to teach financial literacy out there. And um, there's so many little tidbits of people here, 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 there, here, here, wherever. And when it gets from one place to another, it's a total myth. So okay. I'm going to have you... Tell me your most interesting myths and bust them for us today. You got it. You got it. So um, a couple of 
top myths that I get to conquer and destroy here is um, let's start off with your credit history. So your credit profile, your overall credit algorithm is created based off of what is open and active now. So let's say uh, a few years ago when interest rates got really low, you did a refinance on your mortgage, but you had that original mortgage for five years. That relationship ended the moment it was paid off and a new loan gets started. So that length of history, that five years you may have had prior to has ended and it's not part of your algorithm any longer. Uh So I'm seeing some people my gosh, I've had you know credit for 30 years, but do you have something open and outstanding right now for 30 years? Because installment mm-hmm. loans paid off, they're closed. Now, uh, revolving, which is credit cards and home equity lines, if it has a zero balance, it doesn't make it closed. But the minute you close that account, it no longer calculates as part of that overall algorithm. So that's a misconception that a lot of people have. So you want to look at your oldest uh, length of history, uh, say you have a credit card from college, I would encourage you to not close that up. Sure, keep a zero balance on it or a very low balance, uh, especially if it has a higher APR, uh, but keep that baby open and active. And sometimes uh, credit cards will get closed because of inactivity. So use it every once in a while. Just don't forget to make that payment. So if you go and put you know, gas and groceries on it, maybe that same day, go and pay that uh, outstanding balance. So you don't forget because the last thing you want is a missed payment. So the biggest part of your overall algorithm of your credit scores is from your payment history. So we've got to pay that on time. And that's something we can 100% control. Another myth is if you have outstanding credit uh, card balances, it's good as long as it's being paid on time. And that's not necessarily true. There's something that's called debt utilization. And there's a really big misconception on that. It's mostly with revolving, which again is credit cards. And what you really want to have is a very, very low balance against what's available to you, which is called your limit. So if you go to a very, very high amount of what's available to you, it's referred to as an overutilization of credit. And now you actually look like a credit risk. So your credit score is going to be punished because of it. So a nice, uh, there's two thresholds. A nice uh, first threshold is 30% or below of your limit uh, to carry as, as far as um, any balance at any time. And then uh, the next better one is under 10%. For some reason, 9% is like this magic number to the three main credit reporting bureaus, which is TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Sometimes people think that their income Therefore, their debt-to-income ratio is showing up on their credit report, and it's not. It doesn't. So your yeah. income might be reported to, say, your bank because they want to be able to know what kind of products to offer to you. Do you qualify for that you know, um, travel points, advantage credit card, or do they want to offer you a high uh, APY for a money market account because you might have some money out there that they could um, you know, ask you to bring in, but it's not reported on your actual credit report. So the uh, creditors aren't able to figure out if you have a really high or low debt-to-income ratio. That's calculated when you apply for a loan, say like a mortgage loan. Uh, You're going to create that based off of your income and your debt. And the last thing I want to tackle is um, merged or joint accounts. Sometimes people think that, um, oh gosh, if I get married, my spouse's lousy credit is going to affect my credit rating. And that's not true. They are two separate reports, but they might report on one merged account, um, uh, report rather. Uh, so they would both reflect, but it doesn't merge your accounts 
together or mush your credit history together. It's still two very separate things. So if one person has collections or a repossession or something like, like that, it won't affect your credit rating, although their credit score might keep you from being approved for a loan because they may not qualify with a minimum credit score or the kind of credit profile that that lender is looking to have in order to approve that loan. Say, for example, you, you're doing something jointly now, like let's say you're going to buy a house jointly. Their credit score might affect and vice versa um, the the loan uh, that you're going to get, the interest rate, you know, because their credit worthiness is part of the equation, just like your credit worthiness. Yes, it absolutely is. But somebody's lousy credit profile doesn't merge onto yours. So right. it's not Right. 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 It's not contagious. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes. So that that's a good point. I'm even learning a few things from you here. So I'm definitely understanding. um, I think one of the the last misconception that you talk about is the merging of, of, of the credit report. You have to understand that. You're, you're, it, it's separate, but can come together at certain times. Certain things come together. Um, well, yeah, we, if you're applying for, say, a mortgage uh, jointly, we can, if you're married, we can look at both, both credit histories on one report, but it doesn't put his on you, hers or hers on his or his on his, whatever, right? right, right. <laughs> what about an additional cardholder? Could you elaborate how, like, let's just say your husband has a credit card, and you become an additional card holder. Many people don't understand how that works. This is my favorite tip for increasing somebody's credit score if they have thin or poor credit history showing up. So becoming an authorized user on somebody's credit card is the number one way to quickly get your credit score up. So what you're looking to do is you're looking to be an authorized user on somebody else's credit card, say, you know, your mom or you know, your grandma or somebody who's had a long standing credit history with preferably a bank issued credit card, Discover, Capital One, Chase, something like that, as opposed to like a store credit card. The goal is something with long standing history, five years or longer, a high limit and a low balance. Uh, sometimes zero balance doesn't help uh, as much. So if you're going to be on mom's card and she hasn't used it for three years, may not have that positive impact that you're seeking. But I've had somebody go from the, the high 500s to the low 700s in literally two weeks, two and a half weeks once it was reported. So as soon as you get added as an authorized user, the next bill cycle when that uh, creditor now reports it to the bureaus, it will show up on your credit report. And um, there's no negative effect to the, uh, the the person who's issuing you know approval for this um this authorized user. So let's say I was going to um, add my husband and he has lousy credit. His lousy credit won't affect my credit with the credit card holder. Does it affect if you, if the person that you are becoming an authorized user on the primary, what happens if they don't pay their bill or they default on things like that? Well, yeah, that can actually hurt you. I had somebody who was an authorized user on their mom's Home Depot card. Mom and dad were renovating their home, and so that credit card was matched. So I was able to improve their credit score by removing her as the authorized user. So in that case, that credit history completely disappears as if it didn't exist ever. That's awesome the, to know. But being an authorized user is that, let's say grandma had 10 years with this credit card, 
that 10 years worth of history goes onto your credit profile. It doesn't start the day that you became an authorized user. You get it from that card started. That's where the magic is at. Oh, I like that magic. That's a super good tip to to, to know that. I mean, I didn't even know that. So that's that's very educating. Great Um, way to help your kids, like your, um, you know, adult kids, establish a good credit, um, you know, history without going into debt. And so for people who, you know, say, for instance, follow Dave Ramsey, and he says, you don't have to have a credit score, which I disagree with, you you will pay more if you don't have a credit score. Uh, but you can have a credit score without taking on debt. There are strategies that you can do so, such as this, being an authorized user on somebody's credit card, you never have to swipe that credit card, you don't have to have ownership of that credit card, have it mailed to the person's uh, home that is the owner of that credit card. It just simply reports as um, as a trade line on your credit. So, so let's talk about that, you know, like, We've, we've heard about, you know, my, my, my feeling on things is all these things exist in the world. And if it exists, whether you like it or not, you need to be aware of it and yeah. you need to be educated about it. You need to educate your kids about it. You know, it, it's happening. So certain things in our society and certain things in the world is happening, whether we like it or not. So yeah. I like to educate my children on what the trends in societies are and what we have to keep up with and what's happening. And they in turn educate me in the same way, but you know, because I just believe that we need to know what's out there and how to handle it, then wait for the bridge for us to cross it. When we get there, we might not even have a bridge to cross when we get there and we're stuck on one side. So, so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, things we need to educate. Like I know, you know, it's been said credit is bad for you. So in my first part of this, I, I said, you know, if, if used properly, you know, it's an essential part of the American economy. It's a, an essential part of the American society. It's an essential part of building wealth. Yes, I'd love to address that. So just like a lot of people say money is evil, money is not evil. The love of and chasing after money could be considered evil. So uh, credit is not evil. Being able to utilize it properly the way it was intended to, which is why there's a credit profile put out there, uh, it's just simply a snapshot in time, your credit report, of your ability to borrow money and pay it back on time. And that's it. We can keep it that simple. But what happens when people get their hands on credit, like a credit card or a loan, and they're not taught the fundamentals, they can get themselves in trouble. So uh, when there's something that's called the broke trap that I have found a lot of people caught in. So let's say I'm new in the in the adulting world, right? I'm now on my own and I'm trying to figure out my housing costs, my car costs, you know, my cost of living, all those things. And I just simply don't have any money in like an emergency savings and something goes wrong. The only thing we can count on in life is that like, Something's going to happen and it, it doesn't, we need to be just be prepared for anything, right? right. Uh, and be prepared with having an emergency fund. So if something happens and I get a ticket, I have to pay for that ticket. I get injured and I have a deductible on my insurance. Um, you know, it, it, name it, we could come up with a lot of different things. You have an, an emergency fund to tap into. If you don't have that emergency fund, what are you doing? You're borrowing money usually from another entity. You might get a short-term loan, like a buy here, pay here. I've seen people get title loans on their car title. And by the way, 89% of people who get a loan against their car title have to get a new loan at the end of that term because they're not in a position to be able to pay it off. 
So a lot of times people will rely on credit cards. So now you've got X dollars on your credit card and now you're feeding that monthly payment. There's a really good chance you have to go out and put more on that credit card. So now you've got this debt that you didn't have before that you have to pay each month. So as you're uh, putting more on that credit card and, and trying to find your way, maybe your credit score is suffering because now it's a high utilization on that debt that we just talked about. Uh, you're now you have this additional payment you didn't have kind of calculated into your budget, and now you're stretched even a little bit further and just keeps you in this trap of not ever being able to get to a savings account because you're, that money that could have been to the savings account, you're now putting towards this credit card debt or loan debt or whatever the case is. And it's like this hamster wheel that's exhausting and you could find yourself spending your entire life on if you don't break that habit and learn how to get out of it. So, you know, for me, when I found myself riddled in credit card debt and just like robbing Peter to pay Paul, I got a cash advance on this credit card to make these bills. I was like, enough. I was at one point in my life working three jobs for a long time until my credit card, my student loan, and my car was paid off because I just needed to get off that hamster wheel or I was going to just, you know, just stay on it for the rest of my life. And that's exhausting. So um, once I was able to start paying off my debt and, um, and eliminate those monthly payments, now I'm in a position where I can put that money towards maxing out my 401k, my IRA. So now my retirement's uh, you know, set. And now what do I want to dream really big about? I was not able to dream at all because I was so riddled with debt, I couldn't even see a way to make it to payday. And I remember Wacky Wednesday at the pizza place near near my home in college. On Wednesday evening, I would buy a three ninety nine one topping pizza, and that was dinner Wednesday night, and every meal until Friday morning uh, breakfast. I had my last piece of pizza, and that was like how I was able to scrape by. And I don't want that for anybody. And it was because I was riddled with credit card debt. So until we can get out of that crazy broke trap cycle. You're just going to keep, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You're going to go, there's no way out. There is a way out, uh, but it's hard. <laughs> so, so you know, um, that's great, you know, advice for people who have gotten into the, themselves into trouble. But, you know, there are some of us that have gotten ourselves out of that or yeah. has never has been taught by our parents or whatnot, have gotten ourselves financial literate to avoid that type of a situation. And there might become a situation where where you might need to pay for something in advance and you might not have all of the funds to do that at one time or whatnot. So, right. you know, credit, if you have been responsible all through your time with your credit and using credit as a temporary thing yes. sometimes instead of as as um, revolving credit, you know, revolving credit is where what we're talking about a lot here that can become a monster. Yes. You know, like Christy just said um, about how people think money is evil. So, so one of my sayings that I get that that I say is money is a great servant. You know, it can serve you well, but it's a terrible master. So me. It, it, you can if, if, if you make money your master and you can make money your master by having it all and looking at it in your bank account and doing nothing with it and just sitting there 
or you can make money your masters by spending more than you can afford and, and, and let it control you that way. So you can have, unless you're being moderate about everything that you're doing and, 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 and controlling what you're doing and not having it control you, it can control you in both ways where you're being too frugal or where you're being too much of a spendthrift. It's, both it's controlling you that way so so being moderate and not have it be the center of your life it's important don't get me wrong but you know credit is an ex, is part of that that story and yeah it's cool if used properly if used properly and 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 you can have a situation where you might not let's just say you might have your money in a cd for example and the cd expires in three months but you need to have access to something right now, maybe you're putting a down payment or you need some furniture or even you're going on a vacation and you have your money, you know, you, you have to wiggle some stuff around. You know, if you have good credit, you can have a 0% credit card that you can put that purchase on and make a plan to pay it off in three months. There, For example, when I bought my um, home and I did my floors, for example, um, with the flooring company, they gave me 12 months, 0% interest to pay off my floor. And I took that payment, I divided it into 12. It, it was part of my budget and it was paid off with zero interest. It did not right. cost me anything extra right. but, for my floor. Like, that's awesome. Where I see a lot of people tripping up is um, they, they get to a point where they're maxed out on their credit cards or something happens in their life where maybe they're out of work, ill, or taking care of somebody for a couple of weeks. And let's face it, uh, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And now all of a sudden you can't make that monthly payment or an unexpected bill came in and you were late on your credit card. Now your credit score suffers. And then uh, if you have a poor credit score, you're paying so much more in interest over time. I was just speaking with a, a young lady last week uh, because of where her credit score is, she's paying 15.9% on her car. And if I had to take a guess, because she told me it's brand new, I'm going to guess it's probably a $40,000 loan. Uh, we didn't look at uh, her credit specifically, but, you know, that that is telling me she's paying hundreds of dollars more per month than she would if she had a great credit score. So that hundreds of dollars a month could keep you from paying cash for your vacation, paying cash for your next car, uh, being able to max out your uh, your dream bucket, uh, to, to launch your business, to retire at a certain age, to, you know, all of those things. It's just, you know, it, it could be crippling and keep you from being able to discover or uncover what what is really about for you. It's that important. Yeah, yeah. So... To summarize what we're talking about today with Christy, and uh, she's given us some really good, um, she's busted some myths on um, uh, credit uh, things that we've been hearing out there. And um, she's made us known that credit is a part of our society, a part of our our overall life. And it, you know, whether we want to or not, we have to understand it. We have to um, make sure we're educated about it. We have to make sure we're using it wisely and um, it's out there. So you have to make sure it's not a choice as to whether I would like to have credit or not. It's part of our society. It's part of us living. If you know, even if you're renting and you never intend to buy your own home, then, you know, you still need your credit. I've seen where people were denied a rental apartment or home because of their credit score. 
or their car insurance. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it doesn't have to do with debt alone. It has to do with, you know, your, your life, your economy, what we're living in, everything that we're dealing with. So thank you, Christy, for everything. Um, to the, this is our first time that we're chatting on, on air and, and, and we're going to continue chatting. We're going to continue working together to make sure that we can um, teach financial literacy and bring financial literacy to every table whether it's um, every room, every table, whether it's the boardroom table or it's the living room table or it's the, um, it's the coffee table. It should be a conversation that we make familiar and it's something that's part of our conversation in everyday lives. And I want to applaud you for putting this out there. This is amazing information that you're sharing with so many people. Uh, it's, it's very, very needed. And um, I know it's not easy. You put a ton of time and energy and resources into this. So I just want to applaud you and also to your audience uh, for putting time into their own life to, to better themselves, to get ahead, because knowledge is, is power and education. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you very much. And we will talk soon.